Welcome back to the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. I'm so excited to be here with you as we rev up for another school year. I'm really hoping that we all have a fantastic year. You know, as we get further and further from COVID, let's hope things feel better and better. And let's make sure, you know, let's make sure what today's all about. Let's hit the ground running, doing the right thing, doing what's right for our students, trying new stuff that always makes us feel good in our jobs when we try new stuff, try new things. And today we're going to be talking about, you know, a new set of kids are walking in our classrooms any day now, right? Some of us this week, some of us next week, who knows? But new sets of kids, new school year, new curriculum for a lot of us, new problems, new challenges, who knows, right? It's it's both exciting and terrifying. That's what makes it, that's probably what makes it exciting, right? So these new students are going to walk into our rooms and they're going to bring with them. They're going to bring with them interests and passion and skills and deficiencies and trauma and personalities and and in some cases probably going to bring some attitude, you know. Uh, But all of us over the next few weeks are going to be trying to get to know our students. Obviously, we all know that relationship building is a foundational piece of teaching. It's a foundational piece of learning. Kids are not going to learn if they don't feel like they're in a positive relationship with their teacher. And these next few weeks are so important for us as we work on this. So what I'm going to push you here today is, is how can we be trauma-informed as we get to know our students? So in a month or two, Once we know our students and we see the challenges that emerge after the honeymoon period, then we're going to start to learn about their trauma. And then we're going to, of course, adapt and respond to that trauma. But as we're opening up our classroom, there's some things we can do right off the bat to be trauma-informed as we get to know our students. You know, we don't just want to learn about our kids like so that we can ask about their soccer games, right? We, we want to learn about our kids so that they feel valued and supported, regardless, frankly, of whether they're the star quarterback or if they have to watch their younger siblings all weekend because their single mom works, right? So we don't just want to know the easy things about kids. We, we want to know the hard things about kids or, or the challenges, and, and we want to know all about each one of them or as much as we can. So as we get to know students over the next few weeks, we want to do so in a way that supports students who may have trauma in their history, support students who are different than your average students, and support students who may present challenges either right away or in the very near future. It's hard to, you know, that all said, it's it's hard to really get to know kids when we have a large number of students. So especially the secondary instructors out there, you got a large number of kids. So it's so hard to be like, you know, oh, I got to know them all, you know. So here's a good way to think of it. We don't need to know everything about our students, okay? We don't need to know everything about our students, but we do need to know something about every student. So especially you secondary teachers and and, and some elementaries, I'm sure you face this as well. As you start to get to know students in the next few weeks, don't forget that adolescents are going to push back, right? Adolescents want to be heard, but often don't want to talk. Adolescents want to be validated or valued, but they don't want affirmation. I have a daughter that is that way. Um, 
give, pay her a compliment and she'll give you a dirty look, even though she probably deep down enjoys the compliment. So a lot of adolescent students are going to put walls up as we try to get to know them. And it's our job to just bust through those walls and keep going. So today we're going to review four ways to be trauma-informed as we begin to form our relationships with students. How can we be trauma-informed in these first few weeks? First, let's talk about student names. Obviously, we need to get to know our students' names. And this means not shortening their names without permission, not giving them a nickname just to make our lives easier. We need to know the name they identify with and how to pronounce it correctly. So asking them, what is your formal name? What do you want to be called? Am I saying it right? And then trying again and then saying, did I say it right? And then the next day, if there's any names that are hard to pronounce, practice and say it again to the student. So it's so important if we want to be trauma-informed as we get to know kids that we really show them we value the name they want to be called and we pronounce it correctly. Later in the year, if nicknames emerge and all that stuff, that's fine. But when we do that stuff right off the bat, for a lot of our kids, it shows that we're not really completely valuing who they are. We're just valuing finding a quick way to say something to them, right? So let's, let's learn their names and let's learn how to say them correctly. That is one way to be trauma-informed as we get to know kids. Number two. Let's really hit the ground running, running, truly listening to students. You know, we as teachers are often guilty of doing 80 to 90% of the talking the first few days. Um, and when we do this, we create a classroom environment and we create a vibe that's very teacher-centered. So to support students right away, let's focus some of our time, especially in the first few weeks, on really listening to kids. Listening to them is so important. When they feel heard, they feel valued. So I know what I'm going to be telling myself as an instructor is I got to slow down. I got to make eye contact with the kid when they're talking. You know, when they're done, I want to paraphrase what they said and make sure I'm understanding. I just don't want to push my own agenda on them. I'm not listening to them just to get to the comment I want to make. I'm listening to them to truly understand what they're saying. You know, we can ask them questions. How would you describe your experience as a student so far? What do you want me to know about you that will help you achieve in this class? We might ask them that in an individual conversation. We might do some think-pair-shares. We might do surveys. Who knows? But we want to ask them things and then truly listen. As they start doing their work, too, which they'll start right away, right? They'll be doing something for us pretty much day one. Walk around. Listen to them as they work. Have them like say things to them like, hey, could you say more about what you wrote right there? Or can you point to what makes you think that? Or can you elaborate? What else can you share in regards to this? So really asking these open-ended questions that get kids talking and then getting kids talking also means they need to get us listening. So multiple times during class, we as teachers should really self-reflect and say, how Deeply am I listening to kids so far in this lesson? How much time have I spent listening to them, asking follow-up questions, paraphrasing what they said? So if you want to be trauma-informed in the beginning of the year, there you got to really put this focus. We've got to really put this focus on listening to students. We will find much deeper connections with students when we listen to them right from the jump. Number three, grades and homework. Okay, we're all going to be sort of putting out there, this is what we do about grading. This is how we handle homework. 
Okay, if we want to be trauma-informed, there's a way to do grades and homework that is more trauma-informed than the traditional way. And what we say about grades and homework in the very beginning communicates a lot about what we value. So if we say, if your homework's due on Monday, it better be here on Monday, and if it's not, it's 10 points off every day, right? Well, when we do that, we immediately tell the kid who has to watch their baby brother and baby sister over the weekend because mom works, that we don't value that they have this massive responsibility. You know, we, we sort of say, when we say it this way, we sort of say we value the kids who have easy home lives because they're going to have the best chance of meeting all of my deadlines. So I value those of you that have sort of an easy path at home and therefore you can meet the deadlines I create. So it doesn't mean we don't have deadlines, obviously, that there's always this balance between teaching kids to be ready for the real world. But if we want to be trauma-informed in the beginning, it's all about how we say these things. So we have to talk about how, you know, we are going to give you several attempts. If, if, a, if, a, if a big assignment doesn't go well and you communicate with us, we're going to give you another chance. We want to communicate with students that our grades are not judgments of their learning. They're more like checkpoints along the journey that help them understand their progress, help them understand their next steps. So we're not judging them with every grade. We're trying to inform them so that they can continually improve from wherever they're at. So I, I, you know, this, a lot of what I'm talking about today comes from a great book. It's called Teaching, Learning, and Trauma. It's by Brooke Odrobinak and Beth Kelly. Teaching, Learning, and Trauma. And one of the things they say when they're talking about grading that I really like is they give this quote, there is always a way through a homework dilemma. Just please communicate with me early and often, and I will be more interested in building a plan to get the work completed than I will be in the reasons it's going to be late. In other words, if you're going to be late with something, you just got to communicate with me, okay? And I don't even need you to give me the 10 different reasons it's going to be late. I need you to communicate with me around your plan for getting it done at a high level and getting it into me as soon as possible. So I really like that in, in this book. And I, I, like I said, a lot of what I'm talking about right now is coming from this book. But if we want to be trauma-informed in the beginning, we have to set the right tone, tone with grades and homework. We have to like think about the kids that have it hard at home, whether they have traum traumatic lives or just challenges at home, or whether they still have a lot of structure, whatever it is. We, we want to connect with them right in the beginning. Then we got to set the right tone with grades and homework. With communication, we can get through this, but you have to communicate with me. And also, these, these grades are not huge judgments on you. They are meant to be checkpoints along the learning journey. Love that. All right, last one. Number four, student goal setting. Student goal setting. You know, every time I've opened up a class, no matter what level I'm at, I've always asked students about their interests and hobbies, which is certainly not a bad thing. But often when I look back later in the year, I realize that the most challenging kids gave me answers that really allowed me to put them in a box. So I've had so many kids that say, oh yeah, I like basketball. And then I say, oh, so do I. And then every time I talk to them in the hallway or anything, I focus all my conversations around basketball only to start to realize little by little that, oh, it turns out they don't play for a team. Oh, it turns out they don't know much about the Celtics or the NBA or, you know, oh, it turns out that it, I don't even feel like they really play it that often. So as it, like, 
by just asking pretty like generically about their interests and hobbies in the beginning, we, we kind of can get from our kids that have the greatest challenges in lives in life, we can get answers that sort of get us off their scent, right? So these kids that are up against so much tell me they like basketball and then all I do is talk to them about basketball, right? And and as I go later into the year, I realize I've been, I sort of been duped or I've been, again, put off their scent. And it's more like, yeah, the, the kid might just know to say they like basketball because that's a common response and it won't get a lot of follow-up questions. But but it's not really what's going on in their lives. So all my small talk, by the way, in those cases made me feel really good, but it didn't do anything in actuality for my relationship with the kid. It was, it was inauthentic. So another way, besides just the normal, what's your hobbies, what's your interests, another way to connect to kids is to understand their goals for your classroom. And this sort of has like two benefits because one, it gets them thinking about your classroom and how they're going to be successful. And number two, it also gives you sort of some insight into how they think as a student. So, you know, I would do this through a survey and the book um, that we've been talking about does this through a survey, but they hear some questions the survey asks and, and they're all sort of like f fill in the blanks. My goals for this class are. I plan to achieve this by, and for this one, they could, you know, number some steps. I need to be aware of the following obstacles to achieving my goal. I love that one. So, you know, if a kid's like, I want to get a B plus or higher in this class, and I'm going to do this by doing my homework, studying, staying after school, you know, all the normal things that, you know, smart kids would say, intelligent kids would say. Uh, I, I like this third question there because they're identifying the obstacles that might get in their way. And we're going to learn a lot from them about those when they when they tell us the obstacles that they think could get in their way. We're going to learn a lot about them. And then the next one is I have made personal progress in the following ways. So give students a chance to really tell us where have they developed, you know, in the last few years as a student, maybe even as a person. And then the fifth question, I will seek the following resources and people to support me in reaching my goal. So who are they going to reach out to? Who are they going to ask for help? So the reason you do a survey like this is when you go to read it, when I go to read it as the instructor, as the teacher, it's going to give me some real insight into the kid as a learner. And then I'm going to get to ask them follow-up questions in individual conversations. And then... After I ask these follow-up questions, I'm going to truly listen, truly listen to the kid. And this is going to lead to deeper connections. This is going to get me further than the I like soccer connection or I like basketball connection or I like music connection. I'm going to get deeper in my understanding of this kid through this survey. So listen, in a couple weeks or maybe tomorrow, kids are walking in our rooms and we know that a few weeks from now, how we are able to support and manage our students that have trauma and or behavior issues will make or break our days. That's going to make or break our day, how we handle and support our challenging kids. So one way we can get a head start is by being trauma informed right from the beginning. This will help all kids feel valued, feel listened to in our classroom. And then later in the year, this will lead us to being able to more appropriately support them. So listen, just to be clear, I'm not saying we throw out all of our normal get to know you activities. They're all fun. They're all great. They're all steps in the process of getting to know students. 
We just need to include trauma-informed decisions as well. We need to proactively be trauma-informed, not just reactively. So the big four we talked about today, get their names totally right, number one. Number two, listen to students early and often and genuinely and authentically. Number three, be clear that communication will allow flexibility in terms of grades and assignment. Communication is the key. And number four, give a survey that allows you to more deeply understand the students as learners. Again, I got to shout out Brooke Adrobanak and Beth Kelly for their awesome book, Teaching, Learning, and Trauma. If you like this podcast, give it a look. It's on Amazon. It's a great one. And listen, all the listeners, good luck with your opening. Go get them. Come in positive. Come in energetic. Set those routines and expectations. But let's be trauma-informed right from the jump. Let's support those most challenging kids right from the jump. And thank you again for joining me here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee.